Hey everyone, my thoughts on the Matt Chandler situation and more on this edition of Ask, so make sure you stay with us. Once again, everyone, I want to welcome you back to Ask. I'm Pastor Jamie, and this is a show where I answer your questions about the Bible, faith, or life, or whatever you got. If you have a question, and we definitely need your questions, please go to cornerstonebv.org. You'll go to the media page. This is drop down, and it says Ask uh, in the Ask section, and you can leave uh, your question, leave your name or not. It's up to you. Thank you very much. Given, uh, first question, how much you like Pastor Matt Chandler, what are your thoughts about the recent situation? So for those of you who don't know, Matt is the lead pastor at the Village Church in Texas. His church is extremely big, uh, and so is his influence. Um, and he, as I've made no mistake about it, has been one of my favorite teachers to listen to for the last 10 years. Two weeks ago, the church announced, and Matt publicly spoke to the church as well, that he's going to be on a leave of absence. Uh, the information given by the church, which was pretty limited, uh, is that Matt was approached by a woman in his church who told him she was uncomfortable uh, with his interactions online and, and with one of her friends. Matt immediately told the elders and other pastors on his staff. Uh, they investigated this, used an outside organization, investigated all of Matt's online interac interactions. And they say it was not sexual in nature and that both spouses knew about it. However, it was deemed to be too familiar, uh, too frequent, and violated the church's internal standard for being above reproach. Apparently, Matt and this woman exchanged frequent DMs on Instagram that were coarse, they said, and too familiar and too frequent. I'm guessing it probably used some language that, that, that was not uh, fitting for his position, but that's just my guess. So what are my thoughts? First, I was sad and disappointed. Not necessarily disappointed in Matt as much as for him. This is obviously really embarrassing for him. It'll hurt his wife and his kids, and that's hard. Second, I was annoyed with the secular coverage. The headlines were very misleading and most publications said, pastor falls from grace, whatever that means. Uh, Mega church pastor steps down was one I saw a lot. It's like, um, no, not yet, he's not stepped down. Um, uh, more could still take place, sure, but all that all right now seems to point him to coming back. Um, third, I'm hopeful because there is uh, information we don't know, it seems like this incident was like a check engine light for Matt. He said he has been keeping too fast of a pace and this sh uh, shows some of the cracks in his life. And I'm hopeful that the process will bring him back. And if this did not happen, who knows how bad it might've become. Fourth, I'm also reminded that everyone is susceptible to the enemy's attacks. We need to pray for those who are in leadership positions and who are influential. We know they're being bombarded. And lastly, it hit me personally. I need to be constantly vigilant for my own cracks and where I'm vulnerable. We all need accountability and humility uh, because we can so easily, easily go down a road that brings pain and, and destruction. Great question. Now, the second one is, why did Jesus speak in parables? Well, parables are earthly stories told to make a heavenly point. So first of all, Jesus told parables uh, because, well, people love stories. We love to read good stories, watch good stories, listen to interesting or funny stories. When I'm preaching in church and I begin to tell a story, I can tangibly feel people perking up. Uh, not that they weren't paying attention before, but everyone loves a good story. They're easy to remember, they provoke thought, and they're not easily forgotten. So I think that's the main reason Jesus told parables. He was teaching great truths. He wants us to think deeply, to not forget the spiritual truths that he was teaching. However, Jesus was once asked at one point why he speaks in parables. And listen to what he said in Matthew 13. 
He says, to you, his disciples, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, those who aren't his disciples, it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even when he, what he uh, has shall be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because while seeing, they do not see, and while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. You see, many people in the crowds had already rejected Jesus and his main message. And the parables simply blinded them from spiritual truths that were not for them because they're not followers of Christ. His followers, or disciples on the other hand, they heard the parables and their explanations and helped them understand deep spiritual truths because of those cool stories that we still have today. Those stories are not easily forgotten. Okay, let me summarize our last question this way um, because it was a long one. I know Christians will not be judged for sin, but my friends say there is a judgment that is based on how we live our lives. Can you explain this? Okay, let's start first at Romans chapter 14, 10 to 12. Paul writes, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, who you, do you not despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Verse 12, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. You see, the context of this passage is Paul wanting us to stop passing judgment on other believers. But in making his point, he is clearly referring to a judgment to believers, right? To all of us, he said. So 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. This is referring to what's called the bima, that's a Greek word, or judgment seat of Christ. There was a tribunal bench in Corinth where he wrote this to, where judges would sit and proclaim judgment on people. So we do know there is a seat of judgment where Christ will judge. Scholars, they differ on exactly the point of this judgment seat and what it really is. On one hand, some see this as evaluating a person's life and looking for evidence of genuine faith which is why Paul would say that we should strive to please Christ. You see, the idea there is that all genuine believers will be found with evidence of trying to please Christ, because that's part of the sanctifying process. Others, though, believe the bema or the judgment seat of Christ is about evaluating uh, us our good works for Jesus in this life and being the basis of rewards in heaven. While it is hard to completely say for sure, I think there are aspects of both that are true. But keep in mind the point so that's important. Why do we have these scriptures? Well, we're going to give account of our life before Christ. And you and I should think about that very carefully and be striving to please him every day. What do you want him to say of your life? What do you do for the gospel? How do you treat the poor? How well do you control your tongue? If you and I are Christians, we should want our actions in this life to count and to be seen as good when we stand before Christ. Well, that's all we have for this week, and time is up, but we will be back next week with more of your great questions. So go to our website and leave your question today. We need them for sure for upcoming episodes. So another, uh, until then, we'll see you hopefully if you're in the area this weekend at either the 5 o'clock on Saturday or the 9 or 11 on Sunday at our worship gatherings. God bless. See you soon.